five in the eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new? Hello, and a very well welcome to Five in the Eye on what has been a pretty warm week. This is me, Michael O'Hara, and you're listening to episode 0310 of Colourful Radio's weekly news review show, Five in the Eye. Thanks so much for our good old friend, good old old good friend, good old friend, Alaki, for standing in for me last week. And this is Phil Woodford joining Michael via Zoom and revealing we have a special guest in the house today. He's another old friend of the eye. Well, quite a young friend compared to me and Michael. It's Valentine Agumba. Hi there, Valentine. Hi, Phil. Hello, Michael. Um, great to be back um, on Five in the Eye again. It's nice to be called young because these days I, I, I seem to not fall into that category any much. So, so thank you both. And I can reveal our top story this week is going to be the staggering report on the murder of private investigator Daniel Morgan in the 1980s. The authors have concluded that the Metropolitan Police is institutionally corrupt. Five in the eye. And for story number two, we look at the troubling level, the troubling level of violence in London, which still seems to be claiming far too many lives. What could be done to address the issue? Three. The- this week it's all about your accent and what it says about you boffins say that people from Essex and London sound fit can you add them and leave it? <laughs> I can't I can't feel I can't what's story number four it's the American lobster man who was wait for it swallowed by a well and lived to tell the tale mm, I've got I'm a bit sceptical about that one but I'm looking forward to chatting it through with you I'm fine this week to wrap up the show Something I just love. A school principal in the States who loved his students so much that he burst into song. This one's for you, Valentine. <laughs> Don't go any getting any ideas, Michael. Uh, that's this week's Five in the Eye. Five in the Eye. Well, we're going to start this week um, at the top of the show with the extraordinary report that was published into what has been described as institutional corruption within the Metropolitan Police. We got used to the idea of institutionalised racism within the police. That police that came out of another report, the McPherson report, into the, uh, the, the, the murder of Stephen Lawrence in the 1990s. But this relates to a case that even predates uh, the Stephen Lawrence case. And it was um, a man called Daniel Morgan, and he was a private investigator, and he was murdered in, in South London in a car park. And um, there were a number of completely botched and hopeless police investigations into this. Botched? I'm sorry for Well, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, that's apparently... Uh, apparently botched, well, I think we should say, but now we know, we, we now we have more of a, a full picture. Um, and, um, you know, the the uh, the firm that uh, this guy worked for had close links to the police. Uh, he was believed to be investigating corruption at the time. The accusation was that um, his, what he was uncovering led to his killing. Uh, No one's been brought to justice for this. And what's really striking to me about the report, and I don't know what you guys feel, is that The you know that the, this whole process of cover up seems to be going on right up until the present day because um, Chris De Dick, the Metropolitan Police Commissioner, has been accused of being obstructive to the very investigation that um, this 
that, that, that was looking into this whole issue of Mr. Morgan. And um, there have been calls for her to resign once again. Um, Valentine, what did you make of this uh, extraordinary story, which is kind of dredged up from the past and seems to have gone on for decades? Sad thing is, Phil, I don't find it extraordinary. The Metropolitan Police are corrupt. Okay, I knew that. The Metropolitan Police are racist. Yes, I knew that as well. And they play this game of, you know, us finding things out 30 and 40 years later when the individuals involved are dead or too old to be prosecuted or dealt with. These things need to be dealt with now. You know, Cressida Dick um, hiding things and kind of um, hindering investigations, that needs to be dealt with now. Investigations not being done properly, institutional racism being perpetuated, you know, this year, last year, and, and all the ones that are to come. Those are the ones that I want to see being dealt with. The, you know, corrupt police officers, race, racist police officers, they need to be removed. We know that the police are corrupt and racist. So you giving us details about 30 and 40 years ago does nothing to help the people suffering from racism and corruption right now. Wow, well, those, those are big th- the big accusations you're saying then, Valentine. Not accusations, they, you know, they're the truth. It's been proven. <laughs> it's not an no, accusation. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go into film mode here and a bit of a devil's advocate and talk about a few bad apples. And that was then, this is now. Because this, this is, this is an, an extraordinary case. Come on, five inquiries. As Phil, Phil alluded, botched inquiries. You know, something has gone wrong there. Something is not right. Let me tell you why I think something's not right. Because Daniel Morgan had an agency called Southern Investigations. And they were about to break a story. And he was killed the evening he was going to break that story to the press. The person who was investigating, the policeman who was investigating that story, and this, this is pure QAnon, it's a conspiracy theory, but this is a fact. The policeman investigating him left the police force and went and took over Southern Investigations. So here's a, the, the, the head of Southern Investigations, Daniel Logan, been killed. The man investigating Southern Investigations and the killing resigns and then becomes head of Southern Investigations. That has never, to my mind, well, I've, I've, from what I've read so far, that link has never been full. No one's fully yeah, I mean, explained I, 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 that I, I, link. I, I, it, that it, seems it's, bizarre. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the reality is um, there's, there's a lot of very, very murky stuff surrounding this case. And um, it really quite shocking. It's kind of, stra- it, it seems to be straight out of line of duty or one of exactly. these kind of crime, crime, crime dramas, doesn't it? Except it's yeah. real. Um, and I think a lot of people have found it hard to get their heads around. I, 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 I'm interested in this question of accountability, though, because, you know, you know, my view, Michael, Cressida Dick should have gone after that Sarah Everard vigil oh. fiasco uh, uh, earlier in the year. I mean, that leaving aside the specific accusations in this case, 
I think she is just out of her depth. She doesn't know how to respond appropriately to any of these to any of these big questions. And yet, it seems she has the confidence of Priti Patel. She even has the even has the confidence of Sadiq Khan. And I do not understand why 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 these people are still continuing to support her. I think, and this is where I go along with Valentine here. There seems to be some link between the police, the press, and politicians. There's a there's a kind of a corruption there. Now, I wouldn't. Now, this is what I'm, I'm I challenge. I'm, I'm challenging. This. I don't believe it's systemic, but there's a, there's a level of management in all those institutions that nod to each other, that knows what's going on. Mr. Mr. Mike, can I, can I borrow your rose tinted glasses because you know I'd oh, love oh. to. I'd love to see what you're seeing. <laughs> no, 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 don't give it. I'm saying at the top, when you get Johnson saying this is all a load of bollocks, you know, well, it's nonsense. He, well, uh, well what, 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 what else is he going to say? What else is he going to say? You know, it, it, it's not a shock. And again, you know, I'm with Phil in terms of the uh, accountability. I, I agree with his comments of the accountability. And you saying, you know, you don't feel it's systemic. I, I couldn't agree, disagree with you more. Because in my opinion, the system isn't broken. It's fixed. It's fixed to work in the way it does to benefit the people who it benefits. Oh. It's not. It's not built to benefit people um, who are from, you know, culturally diverse backgrounds. It's not built to benefit people who, um, in most situations, aren't white and who aren't rich. You know, that's the reason why you know, the stop and search situation grew out of control. So, you know, I could go on and on and on. But what it comes down to is, you know, people often say it's a few bad apples. Can I can I meet some of these good apples, please? Because, yes, I believe they exist. But it seems to only be that the bad apples that I'd say 50 to 60% of the time people encounter. And if it's just these few bad apples, get them out. You know, well, this is this we, is where we the, know what happens it, with bad apples. They spoil the rest. So get but, rid of the bad apples and stop telling me it's just a few bad apples and leaving them there. I mean, th but this is the whole idea, really, of institutionalized racism, institutionalized corruption. It's that individuals actually, you know, some individuals might be perfectly good, perfectly well-meaning. They come, however, into an environment, into a culture where certain behaviors are thought to be acceptable or thought to be the norm, and that could surround the way that black people are treated in the street it could be to do with the way that uh, police close ranks and cover up when something's gone wrong and you could be a well-meaning police officer who's just come through hendon find yourself potentially in an environment where if you spoke out of turn your 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 whole kind of uh, your your whole network is destroyed your whole career is potentially on the line and that's what we mean by institutional isn't it michael do you think no, I don't disagree with you, your your point about the fact that there's an institution, there's a systemic thing, and and Valentine, I take on board the point you make in terms of there's something wrong with the system. My 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 point is this: this is what we've got. We've got to make it work. We've got to make it work if we're going to succeed as a society that's at ease with each other. Then we've got to make this system work. We've got to. We've got to. We don't need. We don't need another police inquiry on police. We need an outside people to come from outside. Because remember, my mum used to say, "Policemen don't lie on policemen," and I believe that. But at the same time, we need. We need another eye. 
maybe beyond the maybe beyond the that that that, that kind of cozy club of the police, the press, and politicians. We've got to find some other group that we can all trust as a community, because if if we don't trust the police, we don't trust our politicians, we don't trust the press, then we are lost. That's a fair we, point, Mr. Michael. We've got to find a point that, that, that we, 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 we trust these people. They will look at this and come up with the truth. Or but this, then after we receive that truth, it's, we, it's then back in the hands of the government and the police to do something about it. Exactly. And for me, that inquiry would only happen if all these institutions... Forget the press, because the press will always be maverick. They'll do whatever sells papers. But in terms of the police and our politicians... They've got to sign up to this and say, right, rather than form an unholy alliance. Well, I, I think that Cressida the Dick and uh, Pretty Patel, they're joined at the hip now. I'm disappointed. We're probably running out of time, but I wanted to make just one final point. You know, I, one politician that I would place trust in generally is Sadiq Khan, and I made no, you know, bones about the fact that I did vote for him a second time in the elections that just came up. I think generally he's a decent bloke. I do not believe he has stepped up to the mark on this issue of mm. policing at all, mm-hmm. and I do not believe that in his role, which is effectively police and crime commissioner for London, he can afford to have such a hands-off relationship with it. He's got to step in, not leave it to Pretty Patel and the likes of the, the Tory well, government. We, 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 we need a McFerguson, someone outside of it all, one of the great and good, one of the not so great, or not so, but someone we can trust as a community to look into this because five reports and still no answer, there's something wrong there. There's something wrong there. Five in the eye. Let's move on to story number two. And this is something you wanted us to talk about, Valentine. So perhaps you could tell us a bit more about it. So story number two is the the rise or the continued rise or the maintenance, should I say, you know, the, 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 the trend of teenage murders in London. It's something that, you know, we, we discussed and said that has been going on for years and years and decades. So basically last weekend from Friday the um, 12th of June, on Friday the 12th of June, a young 15-year-old boy was on the way to school in West London and he was murdered by another 15-year-old and he died on the way to school before 8.35 a.m. And I believe there were an additional one or two teenagers. So three teenagers in about two or three days sad you know because it's always been sad um and i think sometimes it's easy to kind of just accept oh you know that's really sad it's something that happened but i feel at a loss now because i'm saddened but i also don't see where the improvement is coming from you know for myself working in education and having worked with young people for a number of years you know i see the challenges they face and I don't believe in the rhetoric, which is that they are, you know, young people in 2021 are worse or more violent or more, um, you know, aggressive than they were in years past. Absolutely not. But, you know, there, there's negative things continuing to happen and something needs to be done. Or many things need to be done. You say many things need to be done, Valentine. You said this is for decades. And I've personally been engaged with this at least for 20 odd years. Because I remember back in the day when I was in the gym, 
in the morning, there'd be no sound on the TV screen, and you just see the headlines there and, and, the, and, the, and the, 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 the story at the bottom there. And you'd see a young black boy, and you knew what the headline was going to be, knife crime, stabbed to death. This is 20 years ago. And that was one of the things that got me to engage in, um, engage in, in being a role model, working with young black boys to try and be the, get them to be the best they could be. You know, and here we are 21 years later and still it, it breaks my heart. I can't tell you, these young people, 16, 14, 16 years, knife each other on the streets of, of London, particularly London. Now, you could argue the press are bigging this story up. And maybe there's something in that. But even if there is, these are our children. These are our children that are dying on the streets, on, on the street. We have to do something. Now, the challenge is what to do. What to do. You know, I, there's been no end of, you know, let's have an amnesty. You know, let's have a, 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 a campaign targeting you. There's been so many things have been, have been tried and clearly failed. So, you know... And we've discussed this earlier. I'm old school in this. And you're not like what, I guess both you're not going to like what I'm going to say now. But home, home is so important. That's what, you know, that home is where they're on your side. Home is what creates you. It's your mum and dad, your family. That family, it's so important. So important. And something, you know, it's a big thing to say. But, you know, we've got to look at the family, our families, and say, is there something we, we, we can do better? We can create some love in the family, and that love can be extended. You know, that, you've both gone quiet on me there, and I'm worried now. You, the you, you, the no, thing no, no. is, you're, you're part right, sir, but you can't look at it from at one angle only, you know? Families play a part, of course they do, absolutely. But, 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 I'm sorry, but I'm sorry, okay, but, but can I be really rude and interrupt? You got to start somewhere and commit to that somewhere. And I'm not yeah, just but, not just a, a six month report or just commit. No, absolutely. It, I, I feel it. It almost it links a little bit back to you know the previous story in terms of you know we've got to look at um, law enforcement, we've got to look at education. We've got to look at government provision. You know, we've got to look at the fact that since youth clubs were closed down unceremoniously um, by, by, you know, the Conservative government, there's been a rise in youth violence. And this was something that was predicted. This is something that anybody, you know, could have told you. It just took for someone to care and listen. But obviously, I don't believe that there was any care. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been done in the way it was done. And we wouldn't be seeing, you know, some of the results we're seeing now. Yes. And I, I think when, when, when I look at this issue, and I think it's incredibly tragic and intractable kind of issue, um, I agree with everything that, that, that both of you, you guys have said. Um, I mean, I do feel, though, Michael, you know, intruding in family life is actually the hardest thing for society, is actually the hardest thing for society uh, and, and, the, state, say, and so the state to do. So I mean, it's, you know, it's, you control the things you can control. Yeah, I know. Control but, what you can uh, control. And, and, and Valentine, with respect, I don't buy getting the school, looking at the school, looking at teachers, looking at the police. Those, those are important institutions, of course. 
But the, the, the it starts at home. It starts down the table, down the dinner table. I, 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 I would start by saying, okay, what is it that attracts some uh, young people, particularly boys, into situations where they might either be victims or perpetrators um, of these of these crimes? And I think it is to do with it's about structure in life. And that's where all of these institutions that you guys are talking about all play a part, whether it's the family, whether it's the school, whether it's law enforcement and wider society. We've got um, young kids who have almost no kind of uh, positive purpose. And so they get dragged into a world which all too often could make them a victim. Um, that's kind of what, so I, I would kind of start from the kids themselves maybe and look at it from their perspective. Okay, well, but the kids have got parents. And, and let me say, those same parents counsel them how to deal with stop and search. They counsel how to deal with the police. Again, was, sir, your, your view is, is one dimensional. Not all of those children have parents. Unfortunately, not all of those parents are fit to be parents. Uh, and you've got, you've, got situ- you've got situations, unfortunately, you've got a mixture. You've got some young people whose parents are doing a decent job and doing the best they can. But you might have a child with mental health issues who has needs the parents aren't able to, to meet. Or you might have parents with mental health issues who shouldn't be looking after that child. And that's where you need the outside agencies or the school or, you know, the local local council to kind of intervene, get the parent help and get the child into a situation which is, you know, safe. There's there's so many different sides. I'm 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 sorry that I have no confidence in social services. That's a big statement to say, I'm sorry. But I believe it. We look at only tonight to report the number of social service uh, people who are leaving the profession, the unprecedented numbers. The fact there's a kind of a, a breakdown. There's a recognized breakdown. They're not. They're, they're not dealing with the situation. Yeah, yeah but Michael, so local, so my, looking, my, 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 Michael, hold, hold on a second. Hold on I'm a second. You know, family. Hold on a second. You know, Valentine's already made the, the the point about youth provision. But, I mean, social services is run by local government. Local government has been the hardest hit yeah, of yeah, any yeah. institution in the country in terms of austerity over the last uh, 12 years. Um, there's been about a 40% cut in local government funding Overworked, in real terms. underpaid. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so is it any surprise that people are leaving social work? No, no, no you're right. And, and in some ways, I think that the, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a difficult job, a very difficult job. They're standing in for society to look at that family. I would say, and I take on board your point, they can't do all of these things, Valentine. They, they, they can't, look, I'd say, I would believe they should be involved, but they, they, there's not enough of them who care enough to, to, to make a difference. So what I'm saying is, you know, it's a glib expression, charity begins at home. Start with yourself. Try and work amongst yourself. And I would argue, bear with me, you know, you're looking at me, guys, think, I, I, I think there's, for me, it starts with the family, then the community, and then education, the school. It's that community, the streets. I remember back in the day, when I, again, you want to say you're old school, Michael, but we used to have the street where the older people in the street knew you. 
and they could bring you to book. They could bring you to tax. They could say, "Don't do that," they, and, or they report you to your parents. You there'd be some kind of of, of system in place to control children. So if the community does it, if the parents well, does sir, it, sir, the it, community cuts uh, it. Sir, unfortunate, uh, you know. Sadly to say, I would say sort of late eighties, nineties to now, it didn't work then, and it's not working now. And more needs to be done. You know, again, you know, things aren't linear. And I would say one of the factors that is contributing to this is social media. I don't yeah, believe yeah, social yeah, media yeah. is all negative, but I yeah. believe that you're, you know, young people are seeing negative things with mm. increased ease mm. and frequency. Whereas before, you'd have to encounter a group of people or you'd have to kind of be in close proximity to people doing negative things or to get shown, you know, certain things. Now all you need to do is, you know, look on your phone and you can see it, you know, same as with, with sort of, you know, riots or with, um, you know, fights and, 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 and the crime criminal activities being organized again, not placing all the blame on the young people. I'm just saying some of the things that they have in front of them, you know, the, the cases of mental health issues, Mm in young people have skyrocketed unfortunately due to what they've been exposed to and then you add into that the pandemic the lockdown i can say firsthand the disruption caused to young people and the adverse effects that i've seen it have on them you know and and then it's kind of like now we're in this sort of frenzy stage where okay we're out of lockdown we've got to make up for lost time everything's going crazy we're going crazy we're you know we're gonna you know re- it's, it's almost like you've got businesses raising prices and trying to recoup you know the mm. profits that they lost during lockdown we, 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 we're you've gonna got, have we're, got, Valentine, I, don't, I, don't, I, I, I don't want to interrupt you valentine but yeah. prize the pressure of time we're gonna have to draw this sure. discussion to a close but we've yeah. raised so many issues here that are all multi-layered and i'm sure we'll be coming back to them uh, in future editions of five of the eye uh, five in the eye but for now we need to move on to story number three five in the eye story number three well you know what i mean like it's it's accents it's the way we talk you know what i mean like now, so the report says, and this this this, this report pops up, it pops pop, pops up every couple of months. It, it's the sun this time. The sun's saying, people with Essex and London accent sound the least intelligent. Scientists say. Now I've seen this variation of the report where people from with my accent, because well, I talk dead proper. You know what I mean? Like you know what I mean? Talking proper. Have, <laughs> have, have, the, have the least intelligent. You know, in the same box as people from Birmingham. Birmingham, that's my that's my Birmingham accent. And having said that, Scotland, Scotland, I, I can't do a Scot, but I can I can get the gravity of the Scots are the are the, are, are the amongst the amongst are trusted. And inevitably, what's interesting for me, because about this whole accent thing is there was a time when the received pronunciation, RP, was seen as very proper. But not now, when you hear someone talking like that, you think, hey, where's he from? Or where's she from? She's talking nonsense. Wait, wait, wait sir, do the accent again one more time. Which one? <laughs> he, li- he likes your received pronunciation. My receipt, like the, the talking properly in the Queen's English. Speaking <laughs> like Alvaro Dell from the BBC with a ripple testing. Yeah, so sounds, like, sounds like they're missing you on the BBC World Service there. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, when we hear that now, it's lost its gravitas. And when you hear the Queen talk, you think, 
what planet is she on? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you, 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 there aren't many people who talk with accents anymore, like the royal family, are there? They're almost like in a they're almost like in a world of their own. But what interested me about this sun stories, you know, when they talk about London accents, I mean, London accents have changed hugely since I was as a kid you know back in the day a london accent was a cockney accent it was kind of out of the east end and uh, that kind of accents migrated out to essex and so where you know where, where you hear traditional london accents now isn't in london anymore it's actually people who who live in places like clacton and south end and that, that that kind of place you know i mean meanwhile london has become a much more diverse city and the influences on accents have been, you know, reflective of the fact that, you know, there's generations of people growing up uh, in uh, different communities all mixed together and uh, now people talk differently. So what, what accent is supposed to be thick? I'm not quite sure. Is it like the old school proper Cockney accent? Is it a modern London accent? I wasn't really very clear about that. My problem with this thing is we've lost... We've lost our sense of gravity in terms of yes, that's the accent to have. Well, you've got you've got to have this kind of amorphous accent, kind of almost from nowhere. You can't put your finger on it. So, so an accent can be said a bad thing. Because I remember when I was in America, I was accused of having a British accent, and I was I was mortified. Listen, this is this is this. I'm speaking English, mate. <laughs> speaking English mate we don't, there's none of the British accents no such thing but it does make you think in terms of where we are today Valentine, Valentine how would you describe your accent do you, do, do you like are you conscious of having an accent would you say you had a particular accent I, 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 I'm going to say before you I'm going to be rude and interrupt as ever uh, Valentine, again, you've yeah. got you to me have got that that amorphous London accent it could be from any part of London you know, it's, well, the, it's, that's, that's only because you're a scouser. No, no, right? you, you can't, yeah. you can't yeah. tell the yeah. same thing. Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing for me now, I feel about, you know, London and the surrounding area is you go too far in any direction. And yeah, just like Phil was saying, you bump into like a Cockney accent, it feels. Do you know what I mean? It's like you go too far north and it turns into east. Too far south. It turns into east. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, so, but you sound London to me. You, you, you could be from any part of London. You could be from Croydon. The funny, Croydon. The funny, the funny thing is, I've I've been accused at times of having like a too too proper of an accent, should I say? Oh. And 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 that and that that I always find quite funny. Um, in terms of my accent, I feel I feel it switches sometimes. You know, I feel sometimes it gets back to a little bit of Northwest London. You know, you know, and I kind of get into comfortable circles and, and throw in a little bit of the colloquialism or the slang, you know, and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I would just consider my, yeah, like, 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 like you said, sir, I would consider my accent, you know, London, kind of like at- atypical London or kind of like just standard, you know, Northwest, North, you know, not too far East, not too far South, you know, people tend to stand the same. It's true. Exactly. exactly. What's interesting, I mean, maybe you, as, as a young person, you can help me with the diction that you, you young people use now. Like, you know, mandem, 
Geldem, you know, there's a whole time. It's done it's Geldem, Geldem. You got, you got a, you know, G-Y. G-Y. Excuse me. Get it right, get it right. Excuse me, I'm sorry about that. I was for the Geldem. I was only doing my best to, you know, to be. It comes from, it comes from, you know, you know, it mixed in with Patois. And then, like you know, then it kind of became London slang. And then it's like you got the music vernacular and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah. And and the funny thing is, they call it like code switching now. Before we used to just call it slang, you know. Um, and it, it it's I mean, still it's, fun. It's like you could be but, forty odd years old, but that, and you get around a group of friends, and you kind of just throwing out. You're like, oh, that's you know, it's chapping, it's it's cutting outside. You know, you just. You talk in a way that makes you comfortable. Excuse me. No, I, guess, I, guess, I guess. I mean, I guess, I guess though that's the serious point. The code switching thing is a serious point because that is you're going for a job interview and suddenly yeah. you're thinking, oh, I, I'm going to have to speak posher now. I can't really be myself. I'm going to have to put on my Sunday best voice for this job interview. Or you're going into a, a top level meeting and and then people object to that, don't they? Because they're saying, right, that's not authentic. That's not the real me. Well, the funniest thing, I used to work with an English guy, um, a white English guy. Um, he was like Cockney, as you like, you know, had a real like Cockney accent. And, you know, he's like, yeah, you are, you know, uh, you know, man, you know, how you doing? You are, right, you are, right, mate. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Have a good, yeah, good evening. And then we were working on the phone. He got on the phone. Hey, hello. Good evening. How, how are you? <laughs> yes. And, and, and that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I was like, what? <laughs> like, who's this? Like, where's? Where's the Cockney guy gone? You know, guys, then there's, there's another side to this, going back to what the article was about, about who you accept as intelligent. Who you accept as intelligent. And I'm, I'm reminded of um, these aircraft management systems. They do actually use the Queen's uh, English when they talk. So when they say to the pilot, lower the undercarriage, they say, lower the undercarriage. They don't say, hey, mates, lower the undercarriage. You know what I mean? Like... They say it in a cool, calm way, and that's one of the that's one of Get the benefits. undercarriage there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the benefits of some accents. They have that, Mister Mike. You're missing out on money. I'm telling you. You know, you, you, you know. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be your agent. Okay, I'm only gonna take sixty percent reasonable rates, and we'll get you some work. All right. I've got that calm and that calming voice. So as we draw to the end of another five in the eye session here, we're going to move on to story number four. Story number four. Thank you, Phil. Five in the eye. I should take it away now, Michael. Yeah, story number four this week is about a guy who was swallowed by a whale. Now, you could think this is a wind-up, um, and it, it, it sort of has a kind of biblical quality to it, uh, if I remember my Bible stories correctly. Um, but um, it was true. It's a lobster, a lobsterman uh, who got swallowed by a whale off Cape Cod. And it, the way he tells the story, uh, he, he sort of suddenly had a realisation, having um, gone for a uh, gone for a Burton in the sea, he had a realisation that he was in the mouth of a whale. Now this 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 whale did thankfully kind of spit him out, and he lived to tell the tale. But can you imagine that moment, Michael, where you think, "Hold on a second, I know where I am." It's the whale's mouth. I mean, what, what, would, what would be going what would be going through your head at that point? You think he's fibbing, don't you, Mister Michael? You don't believe? I think I think this is this. 
when you when you look at the physics behind the the whale's mouth and the size, of, <laughs> no, seriously, when you look at the, the physics involved, and because I, I read this story and I, I just checked on Twitter, you know, like, Twitter is my bible as far as these. When you got dubious stories, check with Twitter, and there was a bloke there. They were from some marine search laboratory somewhere up in in, in um, the west coast, east coast of America, and they said this is not physically possible. Something may have happened, but certainly it wasn't swallowed because the mouth. Because these whales apparently they eat fish which are about the size of a pencil, so their gut is designed to take something loads of this stuff down into their guts. They have no teeth. So the whole thing is just kind of sucking this stuff in. And they're going to eat tons of this stuff a day or something extraordinary. And to actually chew up a body, they're not, they're not, they're, these whales are not designed to do that. Now, no disrespect to the, 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 this, this, this cod liver, no, this lobster diver, because it is a challenging dog, you know, close to death. They're doing a great job. Thank you very much. But this is perhaps, <laughs> perhaps a story, you know, it's... Um, it, it 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 makes a good headline, but the reality. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Phil. Uh uh-uh. That to was me. that was excellent. An excellent, you know, example of, uh, you know, uh, at the same time complimenting and disparaging. <laughs> <laughs> Would it's, I do it's something funny, like it's that? It's funny. I I don't know. I don't I don't know the physics. So you know, I, I I can't claim to you know know the exact physics of it. But what I find funny is when things happen in life. And then someone turns around and says, that's impossible. And it's like, really? Because it just happened. So I don't know one way or the other. <laughs> I don't know one way or the other. You know, maybe his name, his middle name is Jonah or something <laughs> like that. Um, and, you know, it, 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 you know, obviously it is something of biblical proportions. If it did happen, then that's absolutely amazing. And I would definitely be increasing my church attendance post haste you know once i got back on it was funny. Do, you, do, you, do you think when this when this lobster guy hears michael's comments disparaging comments he'll he'll think michael's a bit shellfish no, <laughs> no. no but i'm gonna say but, but to your point valentine some people thought believe this story and thought you're so lucky please give us the, the lottery numbers this week you know so people, people asking for you know, you're lucky to survive so no i think it's one of those stories you know Mm. There used to be a headline used to have in in, in the Scottish um, Hebrides news in in the in the early uh, turn of the century. The headline would be "Important if True." So I, I, I would put this this uh, this story under that headline: "Important if True." And if that, I want to. And with that, I want to move on to our final story, which I've got. Valentine, you've got to, you've got to tell us about this. Our story number five. Come on. Five in the eye. Okay, so we have a principal of a school in America. I believe it was North Carolina, who on graduation day, he decided to serenade and send off his students with a rendition of. Um, Dolly Parton's, more famously covered by Whitney Houston's, I Will Always Love You. And I think this is a brilliant story. Um, I thought it was really uplifting, really nice, and, you know, um, a welcome change because oftentimes you hear negative things in relation to, you know, uh, education or sometimes students and teachers, but you do have occasions, you know, and I've been privileged to build, you know, great relationships with young people and you know 
there's a, a, a mutual admiration that can sometimes form. So I believe, you know, this principle actually being feeling comfortable enough to tell his students, I'll always love you. And even him saying as well during some of the interviews, you know, that one of the things he likes to say during announcements is, if you haven't heard it today, or if no one's told you, let me um, take the time to say, I love you. And, and that's a beautiful thing and something that could be misconstrued. So, you know, well done to him for having the confidence and the and the compassion to say that because, you know, some students might think, oh, what, what load of rubbish or, you know, whatever. But day in, day out, year consistent, in, year consistent, out, yeah. consistently with the, um, the behaviour and the actions to back it up, yeah. But the thing that the thing that really really grabbed me about this guy is he could sing. Yeah. I mean, this 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 is not an easy song. This is really not an easy song. I mean, Dolly Parton did a, a wonderful rendition of it. Whitney Houston took it to another level beyond yes. Dolly Parton. Uh, but there is no doubt that you have to be a pretty good singer to be able to pull this off. And he did in front he of did. a stadium. And, I, you know, I take my hat off. To, I'll take my mortarboard. Uh, I think it would be the appropriate. <laughs> I'll take my mortarboard off to the guy. What did you make of it, Michael? I thought it was just brilliant. Just brilliant. Because that, as Valentine was talking about, that loving that, I love you. And we used that, we throw it away, but there was, there was a sincerity there. We, we, I've, got a, I've got a bit of it here. Just have a, a listen, 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 listen to a little bit of it. And I hope you dreamed so great his students knew that they there was a there was a bond between that principal and his students that you know i was gonna say money can't buy that 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 but only you, you talked about the fact that you build up that relationship it doesn't come it's, it's a a trust thing a mutual respect thing over that you build up yeah so when he says he will be there for them they know he's there he's got mm-hmm. their back and it was it was uh you know, honestly, I was, I was, I was oh, more than touched. I just, I loved it. I loved, I loved, I loved, I loved the, the fact that when people show that they care, because we live in a society now where, you know, maybe you don't show that you care. We're all, it's all process interaction. So many, mm-hmm. so much time, so much money. Yeah. But to, to, to say it in such a wonderful way, come on, I just, I just, I think, I, think, I think you should tell people you love them in your BBC World Service voice, Mr. Mike. <laughs> yes, this, is, this is my little here saying that to, all our, to our many listeners, we thank you and we love you. And we hope that you return again and again. And this, and this is Valentine Ngomba on the other side <laughs> saying we thank you 
for taking the time to listen to us because you know it's very lovely and we have lots of love for you so may god continuously enrich and bless you what is you talking about what are you talking about Five in the eye. Well, that's it for another week. If you've enjoyed episode 0310 of Five in the Eye, remember to sing it from the rooftops. And a big thank to an old, I've got to say our old friend, you're not old, our young friend, our young friend, Valadana Gumbo, for joining us today and contributing his views on the big stories. Great to be here as always. Um, it's always fun. So for now, this is Valentina Gumba signing off and saying goodbye. And this is Phil Woodford bidding you all farewell and wishing you a great week ahead. And this is me, Michael Oda-Juru, or, and this is for you, Valentine, saying, if you have been, thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks so much for joining us and we hope to see you again next week. Goodbye. Five in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new?